You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. There is no doubt we face a profound economic challenge. We now need stability and unity. I pledge that I will serve you with integrity and humility. The most important objective for our country right now is stability. Governments cannot eliminate volatility in markets. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Lizzie Burden. Today, the week that was in Westminster, a one-horse leadership race. Goodbye, Truss. Hello, Sunak. And see you later, fiscal statement. Plus, another election. Parties in Northern Ireland have failed to agree on a power-sharing deal, so there'll be another vote there before the end of the year. We'll be asking if it can make any difference. But first, Lizzie, it's been ages. I feel like I haven't seen you in so long, except for looking at you on the television, either being outside Downing Street or outside Westminster. It must be at least two two Prime Ministers since you've been in this studio. Um, Tell us, how have you caught up with yourself after this very tumultuous week in Westminster. No, I'm looking forward to a bit of sleep and to drying all my clothes because they are all wet. Yeah, oof, God. Um, Look, now that you've had literally a second to breathe, what are your early impressions of of Rishi Sunak's new government? You know, it's it's yet another new era in British politics. Well, I'm starting to wonder whether people are overestimating Rishi Sunak and whether he's actually just another incarnation of his predecessors and whether people think that he's more socially conservative than he actually is. For example, I thought I think I think a lot of people perhaps thought he was more pragmatic on Brexit Mm -hmm. uh, and that in this day and age you'd have to be a Brexiter if you wanted to lead the Tory party, if you wanted to be in government, if you wanted to make change and people are asking 
does he really believe in Brexit? And I've been having this conversation in Westminster and lots of people have been saying, actually, he's an Atlanticist. And uh, you know, he went to Stanford, he worked for Goldman Sachs. And yeah, in his heart of hearts, he does like Brexit. He does believe in the Rwanda policy. It's not just that it was politically convenient to appoint Suella Braverman as Home Secretary. Yeah. Uh, and then I wonder whether people are overestimating his green credentials because yes, he re- reinstated the ban on fracking. But as we found out, he's not going to cop uh, he's demoted to climate ministers mm. and the cop minister isn't allowed to attend cabinet and he said that he doesn't want uh, onshore wind so I, th- I think people might be in for a bit of a surprise. Yeah, and of course, still so much to learn about what this new government will will look like and what it will do as well. It was interesting, we were hearing earlier on Bloomberg Radio from Adam Bell, who used to be the head of energy strategy at the Department of Business, and he actually, we asked him about this idea of Rishi Sunak not going to COP20, COP27. He didn't seem that bothered about it. He kind of said, look, there'll still be a big contingent of, of uh, civil servants and some senior ministers going as well, so perhaps not that big a deal that he's not going. But so much still to unpack. Um, you know, the big question is who is the real Rishi Sunak that we're trying to establish and what's he going to do in terms of economic policy? And the person in the know is our senior UK economy reporter, Philip Aldrich, who joins us now. Uh, Phil, let's start by figuring out the scale of the problem facing the UK government. How big a hole do they have to fix in the public finances? Yes, it's looking uh, pretty horrific still. Um, the original estimates were £72 billion. There's been all of those reversal of tax cuts, of quartering and trusts tax cuts, but we still look like there's something like 50 billion to fill. Um, this is the sort of briefing that the Treasury has been, uh, has been giving. Um, and uh, uh, that includes, uh, they want to have a bit of a headroom. Uh, no uh, Chancellor ever uses up every penny of their uh, of the headroom on their fiscal rules in Not their like first us in our overdrafts yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you, you got to have something in the bank um and uh, and and on top of that the the fact that we're going to have to be doing this kind of tightening this uh reining in of spending um means that there's going to be less uh, the growth is going to be less robust so that's itself going to have an impact so this is kind of dynamic knock-on effect and you know ironically of course trust and quarting were hoping to see a dynamic knock-on effect of all of their tax cuts so that that would generate growth but what we've actually now getting is that is uh, is spending cuts and and tax rises which are going to have the dynamic effect of squeezing growth but given that we can see what the opportunity opposition's arguments are going to be coming down the track. It's going to be austerity 2.0. You've already got Labour's Ed Miliband calling for a more targeted windfall tax. In fact, less targeted, a broader windfall tax. Do you expect Sunak and Hunt to preempt that and lean more towards tax rises than spending cuts? Why wouldn't they do that when they can see how politically painful it's going to be to return to austerity? Yeah, I, I- I mean, it, it's increasingly getting the sense you get is that austerity is just going to be impossible. Um, the departments are having to do eight to ten percent uh, cuts uh, just to stand still. Um, so they had a spending review cash envelopes from which they were, were given. Inflation uh, has raised just general costs for them. Wages have gone up faster than expected, um, and as a result, they're having to find you know extra savings just to meet those spending limits. Um, so any cuts would be on top of that. So they're already doing cuts just to stay still. Um, uh, yeah, ta- tax rises have to be are going to have to be on the agenda, and, and you know with the you know there obviously there is 
is there is talk now that uh, Hunt and Sunak are going to consider expanding the uh, the windfall tax. Um, but yeah, the, the, it, 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 there is definitely could they expand the windfall tax to include some banks which are benefiting from rising rates? There's been talk about that. Um, you know, there's there's also you know speculation that the uh, um, the threshold freeze for income tax on us all could be extended for a couple of years because mm. um, that would generate a, a bit of extra revenue as well. They, they, they're, they're right now they're scrabbling around for every penny, and you know any any plan for growth is basically on pause now. Right, and it's I mean of course doing something like freezing the income th- tax thresholds could go down very badly with people if you know that's communicated well that it's going to mean essentially you know you're you're going to be getting less in real terms and. In terms of income, um, we are, we, of course, we're, we normally would be looking ahead to the fiscal statement on Monday. That's been delayed now until uh, later in November. Uh, that's a money-saving exercise as well, because the markets for the moment not too concerned about it. Guilt yields come down very significantly uh, from where we were just last week. Yeah, so that uh, sort of early estimates are that the. So what the OBR does is it, it has to take an estimate of market using market assumptions to build out its debt interest servicing cost estimates. And, okay. and those debt interest servicing cost estimates will be lower now by as much as £15 billion, £10, 10 billion to £15 billion, um, because uh, the uh, fallen interest rates, the removal of the more and more on premium, the dullness dividend, the dullness <laughs> dividend, the Simon French from Pamia has branded it. Um, that that is that's giving some money to uh, to to the to the government. So bringing in about ten to fifteen billion is the estimate. And uh, so as a result, they um, they will that fifty billion will be lower. It'll be around thirty five to forty billion that they've they've got to find. So markets are helping, or rather, the cred- re- restored credibility. That Seneca has brought a refreshing is, change is, yeah. is helping. Yeah. But then, so Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey has said that the delay means the bank's going to be flying blind on its November the third meeting. Given it's not going to know exactly what the plans are, why do traders now see a smaller hike than when Truss was Prime Minister? Is it literally just the dullness dividend? They just like Sunak and Hunt more, uh, and so they're just trusting in them more. Well, they've taken a lot of the stimulus package away, haven't they? So they've, they, of the 45 billion tax cuts that were planned that were, you know, th- it, that was inflationary. The markets were really worried that that was going to require these big rate rises to get on top of the added inflationary pressures that that was going to impose. That's been reduced by 32 billion now. So you're down. So you're down to a sort of 13 billion pound tax rise and um, a tax cut, sort of inflationary impulse. And they've made it absolutely clear that they're looking at all of these uh, other measures to cut spending and the size of the whole um, with this kind of credibility issue that the government has and that they need to deliver on that credibility I'm, clearly is reassuring markets that, that you know, if anything what we're going to have is a sort of deflationary budget uh, or uh, autumn statement um, so I think that that's that's providing some of the some of the reasons for why interest the sort of interest rate expectations are now falling quite quite dramatically in terms of previous Prime Ministers, how difficult are the maths having to be done? I know we've had a lot of previous Prime Ministers, so there's quite a lot of calculations to do there, but how difficult are the, the calculations that the government is having to do now compared to, I don't know, the height of the financial crisis? Is this, is this a more difficult set uh, of sums, essentially? 
I think the the initial post financial crisis uh, austerity that was required was was uh, on a different level. Um, but the subsequent years, so after the financial crisis, there was this revelation that the economy, the UK economy, just was not going to grow at the same rate as it used to. So this structural black hole in the public finances just kept on increasing, and so there was this attritional, oh, we've got to do more to to fill the hole. Um, you know, the, the people now look back and say maybe we should have tried to fill the hole with growth. Osborne decided to fill it with um, by austerity, and um, that period, probably that sort of few years after the financial crisis, when we were still doing it, doing the austerity, that probably could be comparable to what we're looking at now. It's pretty, it's pretty ugly. I mean, they really, they really, they're, they're single-minded now. There's one issue, which is to basically sort out this public finance hole, and they, you know, it means that the only bit that they're going to have to on growth is just some sort of rhetoric, as it were, you know, supply-side reforms, all that stuff. Yeah, but if the Tories are promising are effectively going to have to make spending cuts that Labour's essentially saying that they're going to raise taxes on people with the broadest shoulders right so that's the choice there's they have to balance the books they have to fill the fiscal hole but we don't really know how Labour would do that it just seems they, they too would have to make difficult economics decisions but it's going to be on the other side of the ledger yeah um yeah, exactly. The it, it's it's a choice about how you fill the hole, um, and uh, I, the the thing is that this so windfall taxes are particularly uh, easy to do, easy mm. options, as it were. Um, yeah, we're, I don't know what we're exactly what we're going to see on on how how those tax rises are going to be applied by uh, by the Tory party. But yeah, absolutely, Labour will you'd expect to probably be raising the top rate of tax, not cutting it as Quarteng and Trust wanted, which may have consequences for growth. Indeed, and that's a very difficult political question as well that'll have to be answered to down the line. Philip Aldrich, thank you so much for taking us through uh, all of that. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. 
Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, congratulations came from around the world this week for Rishi Sunak as he took over as Prime Minister. His appointment garnering particular attention in India as he's the first British Asian to hold the country's highest office here in the UK. So lots of praise for that coming from India. This is a fact as well that was referenced at the very beginning of Sunak's first Prime Minister's questions by the Labour leader, Keir Starmer. The first British Asian Prime Minister is a significant moment in our national story. And it's a reminder that for all the challenges we face as a country, Britain is a place where people of all races and all beliefs can fulfil their dreams. That's not true in every country, and and many didn't think that they would live to see the day when it would be true here. So that was Keir Starmer speaking on Wednesday in Parliament. Lizzie, this part of the story has gotten attention, some of the negative sentiment being highlighted by the comedian Trevor Noah, who talked about a backlash on The Daily Show in the US, although Sajid Javid said that narrative was completely detached from reality. What's your thoughts about this whole thing? Look, I think Keir Starmer's opening to PMQs and the follow-up from Angela Rayner later on were really classy. Uh, And it's a 
point of embarrassment for Labour, really, that they're so behind on the diversity issue. The Tories have now had uh, three female prime ministers and now the first non-white prime minister and Labour's yet to do any of that. And it speaks to the achievements of David Cameron as prime minister in trying to boost diversity in his party. Um, I think Trevor Noah was commenting on an LBC interview with a grassroots Tory. uh, And I think this Tory uh, had said that, well, you wouldn't have a white person uh, ruling Pakistan. And Trevor Noah's point was, uh, well, in fact, India was colonised by Britain. Mm. And that's part of the success story that's being welcomed. uh, But I suppose the point we're hearing from people like Sajid Javid is that that narrative is not, you know, that that what we did hear from that one person in that one phone-in is not representative of broader views. And the point I was going to make is we will never know because it didn't get put to the Tory grassroots vote. It didn't get put to the public vote. So I feel like this will be a more Barack Obama scale victory when actually if Sunak wins the 2024 Mm -hmm. election. In the meantime, it's still hugely significant uh, in terms of representation and it may have practical consequences in terms of a trade deal. You've already seen Narendra Modi Mm. uh, congratulating Rishi Sunak, but that could backfire on the Prime Minister if he's seen to be too willing to give visas to uh, India. And you've had Suella Braverman, reappointed as Home Secretary, warning that it's Indian people who overstay their visas. So expect this issue to be very thorny in the weeks and months ahead. Yeah. Okay. Worth pointing out. So Rishi Sunak, the first Hindu prime minister, the first person of Asian heritage and at 42, the youngest for more than 200 years. So plenty of firsts in there as well. Let's turn now to a different story, though. Voters in Northern Ireland will be heading back to the polls for a second time before the end of the year. The Northern Ireland secretary, Chris Heaton-Harris, expected to call an election today for the Stormont Assembly after the DUP refused to join a power sharing government that's been suspended since February. Now, the party says it won't take part until issues over the Brexit trade deal between the UK and the European Union are resolved. Bloomberg's Dublin Bureau Chief uh, Morwenna Conium has been covering this story for us. She joins us now. Morwenna, we heard yesterday on this show from the DUP's Carla Lockhart. She says the DUP will stay out of power sharing until their issues are resolved and that an election won't change anything. What do the other parties in Northern Ireland say about this? Yes, well, the other parties understandably are quite frustrated at what they see as the administration in Stormont being held to ransom by one party and their political concerns. There was a really sombre atmosphere yesterday with, you know, they're not able to meet. And we've actually seen now all of the ministerial caretaking positions dissolved. Um, so it's it's not a functioning administration. And so there's a lot of frustration from other parties who were elected and they're not able to actually act on behalf of people who live in Northern Ireland. And it's obviously amid a cost of living crisis. There's there's still money sitting there to be allocated, which they are not able have not a- been able to do anything with. Um, so there's a lot of frustration and disappointment and, and real concern about the fact that we're heading into what is going to be a difficult winter for many people uh, with energy prices soaring, public services really struggling, and they feel unable to help. So the DUP lost three seats in May's elections. Are they at risk in this vote? It is difficult to say because this vote is going to be in December. Um, so you are going to see there's a lot of election fatigue anyway. Um, it's also 
a notoriously difficult time for campaigning and getting people out to the polls on a Saturday in December. Um, they obviously w- will be, you know, fighting very hard to change the outcome. Like I said, it, there were only three seats, um, so it, it was close in terms of seats, if not the the vote. Um, but it is difficult to tell whether some people will have perhaps been turned further against them if they just want to see a functioning government. Um, you know, it is very much seen to be resting on the DUP, the fact that it isn't, um, or whether people have been galvanized, um, you know, in their support and maybe would gravitate toward them or to, to make sure that they uh, see a stronger result. Now, the DUP have hung their entire essentially position on power sharing on this idea of they won't go into government until their issues over the Northern Ireland Protocol are resolved. What What is the public and the business view of the Northern Ireland Protocol? Yeah, that is an interesting point. Um, there was actually a survey that came out yesterday uh, from Queen's University Belfast um, and Lucid Talk, which showed that 65% of people in um, who responded to the survey, they want the government in Stormont to be restored regardless of what happens to the protocol. So the protocol is not is not top of mind compared to having a functioning government. Um, we have 53% of people in that same survey who see the economic impact as being positive. Um, but 62% of people are concerned that it's adding to political instability, which we, we can see that it, that it is there. In terms of businesses, uh, there has been a sort of contrasting views, some smaller businesses, as has been well reported, have complained about difficulties that they've had as a result of the protocol. But a lot of uh, larger companies, particularly, you know, the manufacturing industry, see a lot of economic advantages because they're both within the UK, EU's um, customs union, as well as having access uh, to the UK market. And it's seen that if particularly if there was more certainty around it, then Northern Ireland could really have um, some you know, opportunities to, to make the most of here. Mm, it's funny, there's that silver lining. And then I wonder what the position of governments in London and Dublin are on all this, especially given, of course, we've got a new government in London. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, there has been a, very little. So obviously, Rishi Sunak has only been in his, his role for a couple of days now. So, but he has made noises about wanting progress and certainly that's that's the view in Dublin um, people do want to see this situation resolved there has been progress uh, with the EU as well in, in talks over the the last um, you know few couple of months compared to um, a long period of, of stalemate but it is diff- you know this unfortunately situation in Northern Ireland now um, doesn't doesn't do anything to make things easier there was that that video during the week from from Steve um, Baker, the Northern Ireland minister, you know, who was there meeting with business representatives in Northern Ireland, and he filmed this kind of quite. It, it was an interesting idea that he, you know, had all these people in the room saying, you know, get back to work to the politicians. I, I wonder in this election is is the issue really going to be about whether or not there's a functioning government, or is it going to be cost of living and things like that that will dominate the the debate. Well, cost of living is is certainly a big issue, and you know things like the NHS and and public services. There, that is what a lot of the other parties are talking about, and that is why they want to be in government. And without a functioning government, none of those issues can be addressed. Um, so that there is a lot of work to be done, um, and that is something that's you know something people maybe are going to be very angry about, whether they're voting or perhaps not voting because they don't feel there's any point, which is what you were hearing. 
I mean, just coming back to Rishi Sunak, the characterization of him is that he's a pragmatist. And I was just saying to Stephen earlier, I wonder whether people are reading too much into that and projecting onto Rishi Sunak what they would like him to be. Is there more hope on the island of Ireland that he's going to find a solution, want to find a solution to the Northern Ireland issues? I think there's generally some hope that there will be there will be progress. There's certainly a lot of will, um, and that has come from um, both the UK government, um, regardless of the leader, um, you know, in the last few weeks, uh, as well as you know, in the EU. And um, I think Dublin has always been very um, certain that it, it is you know positive in having constructive discussions to try and make progress. So I think there there is definitely some. Uh, will on both sides and that's something we keep hearing uh, from Simon Comey the the foreign minister here um, that you know discussions have been ongoing and that there is hopefully some some light at the end of what has been a very very dark long tunnel yeah, and I think it's certainly an end to some of the frustration that we've seen in Northern Ireland as well from people not having that functioning government for such a long time. Of course, the, one of the first phone calls that Rishi Sunak made to a foreign leader after becoming Prime Minister was to speak to the Irish Taoiseach Michal Martin um, and, and told him that he, he would prefer a negotiated outcome to issues caused by the Northern Ireland Protocols. This perhaps speaks, in fact, Lizzie, to what we were talking about earlier, this idea of we don't really necessarily know how Rishi Sunak is going to play this because I think with all of the issues that are happening in Westminster, perhaps he doesn't necessarily need a flare-up of tensions with the European Union to try um, and, you know, disrupt the very crucial work that he has to do now in fixing the economy here in the UK. Marwenna Conium in Dublin, thanks so much for bringing us up to date on the latest on that story. We are expecting that announcement from the Northern Ireland Secretary today on a date for a new election. December 15th is the currently the date being talked about. And, and as Marwenna was just saying, the idea of an election in the middle of December, I mean, it, it brings back bad memories, people in this country as well. And I'm sure, Lizzie, from the last time you covered the last one, you'd rather not be out covering campaigns in the middle of winter. No, thanks. But it's also <laughs> when your heating bill is going to be up. Exactly. Not a great time to be a politician. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.